You're listening to Fair Game, the fair industry's premier podcast experience with your host, Robert Smith. So my name is Robert. If you guys have not heard of me before, you don't haven't followed any of my content online, could you raise your hand? That hurts. <laughs> For all the years that I've been in Arizona and we still got that going on. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> before we get into it, um, I just want to give a quick shout out to Eric from the Superhero Stunt Team who loaned me his TV because they were going to make me use like the giant projector on the wall. So. Thank you, Eric. And uh, did you get, who all saw his BMX the show yesterday? Right? Clap it up for him. Good job. All right. So since like none of you really have context on me, just a quick 30-second Cliff Notes version of who I am. I do two attractions in the fair industry. The first one is called Conjurer Fortune Machine, where I stand in a box and I pretend to be Zoltar. I have also been referred to as like a jackass in a box, so it works really well. It's pretty awesome. Thank you. Appreciate it. The other um, attraction we have offers called Play With Giants. It's a giant game interactive fun zone for fairs. Uh, but we're here today to talk about social media. I would like to talk for maybe about 30 minutes or so and then get to some Q&A and really get into some um, context with you guys for your individual situations. So. Here's a question for you. What's the most important asset in your marketing? Raise hands, shout them out. What are some assets? TV ads, Facebook, what else? Uh, we do, I guess, radio, stuff like that, really. Okay. Radio, paper. All right. So here's what I want you guys, if I can, to shift the thinking. Part of this talk, other talks around the industry focus a lot on tactics, on the different types of posts you can do and things like that. I want to shift your thinking to the real core of social media, the core of marketing and advertising in the first place, the most important asset you have is attention. So you need to know where it is, how much it is, and where particularly is it underpriced. So we have three different types of attention that you can get access to. You can get overpriced attention, appropriately priced attention, or underpriced attention. Now, in our fair industry, which do you think we spend a whole lot of? Is it on overpriced, appropriately priced, or underpriced? Big time overpriced. And we need to start making changes to that. Um, so let's focus on this. Does your event, do you market like a business or do you market like a human being? And I'm gonna give you some examples of that. So first example, as human beings, when you're at home, how many of you watch television like Netflix, HBO Go, Amazon Prime, DVR? In other words, you watch television when you want to watch TV. Raise your hand. Big surprise, everybody in here. Okay? Uh, who has, anybody have DVR? How many of you, if you have DVR, still skip every single commercial? So, as human beings, we don't, we're not even seeing the commercials. And by the way, let me give you this. If any of you work with ad buyers through agencies, through companies that'll help you do your ad buy, one of their rebuttals to me when I talk to marketing people is, well, yeah, Robert, they may not see the commercial, but if they get up, if they're not fast forwarding it, they can still hear the commercial. So the next time somebody tells you that, if they're an ad buyer, tell them, all right, that's nice, Earl. 
but if they're not, they're only seeing half of my message, can I pay half of the price? And they're not, they're not, gonna, they're not gonna go for it. And here's the thing, traditional forms of media are beginning to die out because our attention has shifted. Here's another example. When you're driving down the street, a lot of us drove, who drove here, right? So we, we in our industry, we log thousands of miles, especially on the, the concessionaire side, the entertainer, performer side, we log thousands of miles. When you ride down the road, what is almost every passenger in every car looking at? Their phone. They're looking at their phone. How, let's be honest, like, how many drivers are looking at their phones, right? And yet as an industry, we're spending quadrillions of dollars on billboards that are overpriced for the attention and are, when they are, we do use them, they're poorly designed. They have 15, 20 different words on them. They've got the website, they got the email, they got the whole kit and caboodle. And it's just not, you have like nine words you can put on a, a billboard and you have about three and a half seconds to get the message across. I don't wanna go deep into that because I know Ricky's doing a round table, uh, I think it's this afternoon, and he's gonna look at more traditional overall scope of marketing. Um, so that's on outdoor. What about, um, I'm not, I don't wanna just go against traditional media. I don't want you to think like I'm a digitalist and I'm only about doing stuff online because I'd tell you the most overpriced and worst advertising product you can buy is actually online. And that is a programmatic banner ad on a website. Because you'll get your ad buyer, your, your ad reps that'll say, oh, we have this package of, it's $1,000 or whatever the number is for a whole slew of banner ads. But since you're buying this whole package, we're only gonna charge you $500 for it. Here's the problem with digital banner ads. Again, looking and examining at how we market as human beings versus how we market as businesses as a human being, raise your hand if you go to your local TV station's website, click on a sports or weather story, read that information about the incoming snowstorm, and then see a banner ad and go, oh, let me click on it because it popped up on my screen. And yet we spend tens of thousands of dollars for these ad products. We need to market more like human beings, and much less, much less like businesses. One last one. How anybody here ever be at, like, ever gone to like WFA or IFE where you have a larger trade show? Okay, some of you guys have. So, especially the performers, you know this at IFE. By the third day of the convention, fair managers are walking around. Which direction is their name badge facing? It's flipped around so you can't see it because they get completely tired of being hassled. And yet it's interesting to me because fair managers as human beings don't want to get hassled because so many performers in the industry, they stand there and we're in, our, in their booth and in the aisles going, here, take my flyer, take my flyer, take my flyer. In other words, it's buy my crap, buy my crap, buy my crap. But if you look at a fair's Facebook page, almost every post leading up to their fair is buy a ticket, buy a ticket, buy a ticket. So we do one thing as a human being and then we behave completely differently when we're executing in a business. So when we need to start thinking about our social media and our overall marketing plans, I wanna think about where's the attention, where's it underpriced, and how can I communicate my message as a human being? So what does underpriced attention look like? You guys know, you all know this guy. 
So here's a quick story for you on Walt Disney. I worked for Disney, uh, Walt Disney World back in 2000. It's where I met my wife, we were on the college program, it was a really great experience for us. But every Disney cast member goes through a training program called Traditions, where they teach you about the history of Disney and their thesis and their belief structure on how they execute their business. So here's the deal, 1964, Walt Disney has got Disneyland going, but he's always wanted to expand it. He was never shy about saying that was not the true park he wanted to build, because in LA he didn't have the space. In the swamps of Central Florida, several shell companies begin buying up thousands of acres of land, and they're making these purchases for about $80 an acre. How many of you would like to buy land in Central Florida for 80 bucks an acre today, right? So of course, as this land starts getting bought, people start asking questions, reporters start getting involved, and eventually it gets out that these companies that are buying up all these swaths of land are owned by Walt Disney. Overnight, the price goes to $80,000 an acre with Walt's final, final purchases coming at $80,000 an acre. So if you think about that, for the most part, all of Walt's land in Central Florida was bought for less than a couple of hundred bucks an acre, meaning that Walt Disney and his pals are straight gangsters when it comes to underpriced attention and underpriced deals. So what can we take away from this? It's, two, it's about to be 2019, but inside this device, attention is being sold at 1964 prices. This is where we can make huge, huge stretches in our budget with underpriced attention because the, it's starting to get going, but when the biggest brands in the world, Amazon, Google, etc., when they realize Coca-Cola, how much money they can put in this, we will all get priced out of that market because Facebook advertising is a marketplace. So when you, you say, I'm gonna spend $500 for this ad, Coca-Cola's out there saying, cool, we're gonna spend $20,000 for it. Our ads are not gonna show up. So we have to land grab now. We gotta land grab before people figure out that Walt Disney is buying the land. Does that make sense? So, let's talk here. Where can we buy underpriced attention? What do you guys think? Where's a good spot? Isn't YouTube pretty cheap right now to uh, do videos on? YouTube is fa fairly cheap for their advertising, and here's the really cool thing. You can go into YouTube's ad product. I have, I have no need to do this on my end. I've experimented with it, but you can go into YouTube's ad product. It used to be over, I would think overpriced, but now it is appropriately and somewhat underpriced because you can go in and target it against Google search results because Google owns YouTube. So you can literally target your ad, regardless of what their video they're looking for, if they're looking for like mountain climbers or they're looking for silly meme videos or whatever it is, if they have searched things to do in Yuma, Arizona, you can target against that and then have a fair, or a Yuma County Fair ad pop up. Cool, right? So YouTube's great. Really, over, <laughs> here's the deal. Best way to figure out how to do those Take a couple of hours of your time and sit down with Google and sit down with YouTube and say, how do I place an ad, how do I cross post an ad on YouTube? How do I create a Facebook ad? How do, and spend the, invest that time and that education. The second biggest search engine in the world. We all know the biggest. What's the biggest? What's the second biggest? YouTube. 
YouTube is the second biggest. And think about this. People have different learning styles. My wife is the one who goes to a museum and has to read every stinking word on every single sign, right? Because she's input, she wants to read stuff. I'm the one that's like, that's a cool statue. What's next? You know what I mean? So for me, here's an example of how I've used YouTube very successfully. I'm not like, reading directions, not good for me. Show me a video of it. So when my dishwasher broke, I call up GE and they're like, oh yeah, we can get you this new part. It's gonna be 159 bucks. Oh, okay. So I get to YouTube. My dishwasher's doing this. GE model, da 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 da. 300 search results on how to fix it. Final tally off of Amazon, 11 bucks for the part and about 40 minutes of work and I was done. So YouTube is the second most powerful search engine and you guys should be able to, you guys can use that. Overall for underpriced attention, Facebook is the place to be. Facebook, um, C, do you guys know what CPMs are? It's a marketing term, it stands for cost per thousand. In other words, cost per thousand views. So, face, CPM, M, thousand, M being a Roman numeral, thousand, <laughs> CPM. So, basically it is how much does it cost to get your message in front of a thousand people? Tell my mom I said, hey, so Facebook's super underpriced right now. We've got, I'm starting to see, because I read reports in Fairs and Expos magazine, Carnival Warehouse, I see what other fairs around the country are doing. This last year, we had fairs that really started to get it. Because we had fairs that were shattering daily attendance records. And I mean like one day after another, attendance records were falling, not by like 25 people, but like by thousands of people. <laughs> So the people are starting to figure out they can get their message out there because our attention is on our phone. Just over 30 seconds of every minute we spend on those devices is in one of about five or six apps. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Snapchat, Pinterest, Twitter, like that's it. People aren't in their apps being like, yo, this calculator app is the bomb. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> However, we've got fairs that are still not getting it. There's one fair. I won't name it, but they're one of the larger fairs in the country. They had, they talked in Carnival Warehouse about all the attendance they had at their concert. They had sellout concerts. It was the most amazing fair. We had a fantastic run. Their attendance was up like a hundred people. So flat, basically. And then I, I keep reading the article in Carnival Warehouse. Here's, and Carnival Warehouse likes to report what their marketing buy was. When you added it all up, it was 97% traditional. 3% was online, and I'm gonna bet of that online, most of it was on digital banner ads. Because we gotta get into where attention is. So, Facebook, greatest ad product ever. How many of you have built and created Facebook ads? And I don't mean I created a post and clicked boost. I mean, I went into Ads Manager and created a thing there and sent out an ad. I know Dan Meyer's done it, he's, the, he's legit with it. So here, in case you're confused, the, you can get to the Ads Manager through your iPad or through the app on your phone. I always find it's easier to do it on a desktop or laptop environment, it just spreads it out a little easier for me to visualize it. So when you're on your wall, you're gonna click up on the down arrow and you either do manage or create ads. And when you click on that, you guys need me to leave that there so you can see it? 
or take a picture of it or okay <laughs> just manage or create ads and it's going to take you into let you guys get your pictures is it cool if I'm is that better right <laughs> all right we ready so once you click on that, it's going to take you to a page that looks like this. This is the dashboard for the ads manager. And if you look, it's a little, the screen's a little harder to see, but they give you your different marketing objectives. So you've got, if you just want brand awareness, so you just want people to know you're fair. You can do consideration where you might want, if people are installing your app, if you want video views, you can go in and you can select which objective you want and Facebook will configure your ads to get in front of those people. And the way that algorithm works, if you want video views, Facebook knows because it tracks every single breath we take on that app and even sometimes when we're not on the app. Facebook knows if I've got these people but these three do a lot of video watching time, these three over here not so much, Facebook's going to send that, that video views ad over to these guys who are most likely to see it. And then the other thing you could do is with conversions, if you are doing ticket sales, anybody do like online ticketing? Not yet. Not yet. So here's the deal with it. You can sell tickets through this, if, especially it's super easy if you're connected with like eTix or Sapphire or whoever's doing your online ticketing deal. You can literally have it programmed for store visits and when you go in and do the targeting, when you set the behaviors of who you want, you can literally tell it people who've bought things online in the last 60 days. You can target against behaviors because obviously if people are inclined to buy things very quickly online, they're more likely to hit your ticket online. All right, Ares, you got the picture? You good? Once you get into your targeting, you can do segmentation. The absolute beauty of Facebook is that unlike when you had traditional media with TV ads, TV ads are expensive. So most likely, if you're going to do television, you've got one shot. There's one ad that gets created for most fares. That is completely unnecessary anymore. You can create three, four, five, ten, a hundred, however many different ads that look like the people you want to do uh, to come to your fair to do a behavior like buy a ticket. So if you can create content aids, so that's, let's say it's a video and you're gonna target it against females 25 to 45 with kids, they may or may not be married and they live within X miles of your fair. You literally have an option to drop a pin on your fairgrounds on a map and say, I want my ad to run within 50 miles of my fair or 20 miles, whatever the distance is. What's the typical name for that demographic by the way? No, what do you call moms with kids that are about 25 to 45? Soccer moms. By the way, that's probably for most fairs, that is your decision maker for your fair. Whether or not they are buying a ticket to your fair, that is the age group you want. So here's the cool thing you can do here. You can create similar pieces of content with different talent in them. So think about this. Why do African-Americans tend to watch BET? They're the stars of it. We, you can literally create a commercial that's got families riding on the Ferris wheel and having fun, and then you have one demographic in it, soccer moms and their kids, and then if you wanted to create the same demographic, but now you have an African-American family, you can do that. And you can send it out in the targeting, 
and you can tell it whose feed you want to pop, to pop up in. Now, when it comes to certain things on the advertising demographics, because I don't know if you all realize Facebook got in a little bit of trouble. They had to go testify before Congress. Mark Zuckerberg let us all realize just how dumb people in Congress are when they said, but how does Facebook make money? And he very calmly was like, Senator, we sell ads. So they did get in a little bit of trouble because they had to close up some of the, their privacy things, settings and whatnot. So some of the targeting is changing, but you can still segment out against all sorts of different groups. So you might, if you, you could do a video with senior citizens, 55, 80, and like, what would a video for your fair look like for seniors that it doesn't look like for young families? Are you gonna show seniors on the tilt-a-whirl? Probably not, I don't know, that might be cool. My dad, my dad might be into that, but you know what I mean? So you can literally show what those demographics want. You got country music fans, if you're having a country music concert, if someone like Coffey Anderson's coming out to your fair, here's the cool thing with someone like Coffey. The act, he will produce a video for you to give you to push out on your Facebook page. He will also target an ad to his, his fan base on his page. But on your end, you don't just need to take that video and say, put it up on your page and go, hey, we've got Coffey Anderson coming. Go create an ad and target it against, and it might be, I had 18 to 30, it could be 18 to 55, whatever the age is. They like country music, but you can also target other fan bases. You got Coffey Anderson coming, fabulous country artist. What's the odds that someone who listens to Reba or Garth Brooks or Toby Keith might also like Coffey Anderson? So you can target it against those fans also. Segmentation, super, super powerful. The next thing that's really powerful on Facebook's ad product is called an unpublished post. Back on the other one though, each one of those are separate ads. You got it. Okay. You got it. Each one is, is definitely a separate ad. Unpublished posts. Unpublished posts are one of the things that make Facebook's ad product one of the greatest things ever. Because think about it, if you're going to say, instead of doing TV and all this, I'm going to really go hard into Facebook and I'm gonna create 10 different ads. If you publish all of those ads to your wall, people are gonna come see your page and it's just cluttered with advertising. So when you go onto the back end through Ads Manager, not boost post, please promise me you'll never boost a post again. <laughs> go into the Ads Manager. As you go through the process, there's a little checkbox that you click that says unpublish this post. And then that post will only be seen against that demographic you're targeting. So if, I've been, if, I've, if I'm a big country music fan, but you've got, I don't know, Nelly or a rap show coming to your fair, I'm not much of a rap guy. That's not true, but let's just say, for example, I'm not much of a rap guy. And you target it against this age group and, who like rap music, it's not gonna pop up on my feed. I won't see your ad. But the people who are most likely to convert and buy a ticket will. So unpublishing posts is really powerful. The other cool thing with unpublished posts is you can do A-B testing, where you have two very similar pieces of content, and literally, maybe you change the color of the shirt the person in the picture is wearing. And after you spend $20 here and $20 here, and after like five days of testing, you go, man, the guy in the red shirt, that ad's really going, this ad's sort of simmering. You cancel that ad and you put the lion's share of your money over here. So that way it's more effective. So I have a question. We did, a, we did an ad to advertise the fair. 
Yes. And every once in a while, about every three or four days, I'd get this, you know, I don't know, a post would tell me. It would be like, oh, I was up to like 17,000, I was up to like 11,000, all these things. But then when I'd go look at my ad, my ad wasn't that high. So I was confused. <coughs> I was getting like things where this many people had seen it. Right. But when I looked at my ad, it didn't show the same amount. That's strange. Yeah. So well, and one, is it, were you doing, there goes the Moluccan cockatoo. He wants dad, he, wa he wants daddy to come home. <laughs> right, it's the timer. Um, one of the things I've noticed with their, sometimes the data you get is what your total reach was, but not necessarily the number of people who engaged with it. It was, it was the reach. So that was your reach. So but it didn't show that in the ad, that's weird. That's strange. I got nothing on that one. Okay. I, my number, usually my numbers are staying real in sync. Um, the other thing is the overall numbers that you can get might be the first, uh, like the first layer of reach. But then if somebody clicks share or their friend said, oh, so-and-so liked this post, it, I don't know if it's counting that or not on that side. Um, here's the other thing you guys need to use. If you go to online ticketing, you absolutely must use the Facebook tracking pixel. You should be using it anyway, but for just for your website's sake. The tracking pixel, we used to call them cookies. So here's what happens. Anybody ever heard of a company called Purple Mattress? Yeah. Yeah. No, I've seen it on Facebook. But you've seen it on Facebook. So here's the deal with Purple Mattress. About two years ago, my wife and I were starting to look for a new mattress. And so this thing comes across. They have a really clever ad that went viral with like, 20 million views so I watch it I click on the link to go through the website to read about the mattress and I'm like huh that's interesting I'm not buying today but that's interesting to know that close for the next six months that ad chased me around the internet every time I opened Facebook every time I went to any of their audience network partner sites it was there and those ads will do they will run to one of a few things happens. Either I convert and purchase the thing, I click the down arrow and tell it, don't show me this ad anymore, or in your case, the date of your event passes. And then Facebook knows the event's over and the ad's done. So tracking pixels, what Facebook wants to do to make their ad product valuable, obviously, is when people click but don't convert, they want to increase your conversion to make you guys money. And so what you do with the tracking pixel, it's super simple. In the ads manager I showed you earlier, there's a spot where you can tell it create pixel and it gives you a little line of code. And if so, as an example, if you're selling tickets on your website, you take that little line of code and you put it into your website. If you're not sure where to put that, if you're using a web developer, somebody else who's done your website for you, they'll know where to drop it in. And, Google or YouTube, G-O-O-G-L-E. <laughs> Literally, just how do I use the Facebook tracking pixel or call Robert, right? Yeah, and you just drop it in and then what happens is when they click through that ad, the pixel activates when they hit your website and then they know they've expressed interest. If you have a buy now option for your ticketing, they know that that person has, is leaning towards it or at least wants more information and then Facebook, as they go through, that user is going through their, their feed, sw sw Facebook's gonna go, hey, 
you clicked on this one yesterday. You still interested? Eh, here's some more. You go to the audience network that you can use in Facebook, because you can deploy in Facebook in a multitude of places. You can deploy your ads on Facebook in the newsfeed. You can send them over to Instagram. You can do Instagram stories. You can do it on Facebook Messenger. I don't know how well the ads are on Facebook Messenger, because they, they typically pop up on my Messenger feed below the fold. So I've got to swipe to even see that ad. So I don't ever deploy on Messenger. And then they have what's called the audience network. The audience network, you want to talk about banner ads not being effective. But here's the interesting thing. When you use the audience network, there's partner websites that, Facebook, that team up with Facebook to generate ad revenue. And so the audience network, I might be over here on like on some website, I don't know, Amazon something, and that ad pops up over there away from Facebook. It looks like a banner ad, but it has Facebook's tracking and, and, and uh, algorithm behind it. Whereas the banner ad's just like shouting on a street corner. You know what I mean? So those three things, super pow powerful. Let's talk real quick about brand building versus advertising. So two years ago, I think it was two years ago, I'm at IFE, there's a talk about, fa about branding and advertising. It was like 45 minutes or an hour. The three fair managers come up to me afterwards and go, Robert, I'm more confused now than I was when I went in there. And I said, okay, that entire hour-long talk can be summed up like this. Advertising is math-based. It's sales. It's if I spend X dollars for this ad, how many dollars am I generating in revenue? What's my return on my investment? Brand is just a fancy marketing term for your reputation. So when you're considering, is this an advertising thing? Is this a brand thing? Ask yourself, is this building my reputation or is this making me money? Both of them are fine, but know the difference on them. One of the platforms I use almost exclusively for brand building, other than Facebook, is Instagram. We're gonna go five more minutes and then we'll switch tables if you'd like. Five more Do you guys minutes. want me to keep going? Okay, cool. Um, so Instagram. Instagram's ridiculously awesome. Here's the ways you can, you can brand build on Instagram. Um, you can do a search. Anybody here at Pima? Anybody here from Pima County? Okay, cool. Is that anybody here from Pima County? Dan? I know you're not. Dan Meyer, sword swallower. So here's an example of how you can brand build on Instagram. So you click on the search feature and you type in your fair's name, okay? You're gonna get three things. This first one is their actual account. If you are the Pima County Fair, you do not need to click on this one. You already know what you're putting on your account. The next two, this is your hashtag, and this is your location, because users at your grounds who take photos can tag you in two, well, technically in three ways, but the two that are most important, they can put, you know, they put a picture eating a corn dog on the Ferris wheel, and they go, oh, having the best time at the Pima County Fair, hashtag Pima County Fair. That image will pop up here. They can also tag the location. So when they go tap location, the thing will do a search and it'll go, oh, are you at the Pima County Fair? They click on that and they send it out. So when you get these search results, you tap on the hashtag, you're gonna get thousands of results. See, these are people that went to the Pima County Fair, that had fun at the fair. So if you were the Pima County Fair, you should be getting in here and engaging with these people because they are taking the time to promote your event to everyone they know. How many of you follow any like celebrities or brands on social media, right? 
You ever tweet at someone and then someone hits you back and you're like, oh my God, this was amazing. How do you think it feels when like, one of my beefs that I see with fairs, and it's a, technically a lot of brands, but I focus a lot on the fairs. So you have fairs, you have guests that go to their Facebook page or make a comment on Instagram, whether it's positive or negative, they might say, you know, I had the worst time. The, the, the guy at the corn dog stand was rude to me. The carnival wouldn't let me get on the rides. Of course, fair, it's just as it is in any business. You have this level of complaints and only that level of compliments. But then you also see them where you get a mom that says, here, check out this picture I took of my son. It was his first time on the Ferris wheel. He was finally tall enough. We had the best time. Thank you for an amazing fair. No response from the businesses, from the fairs. So think about this. If someone walked into your fair office and they said, hey, Dusty, the best time at your fair. Thank you so much. It was a great moment for me. It was my grandfather's 90th birthday. We had a great time. What would happen if you went, That's what we're doing on Facebook because this is how people are communicating now. This is the biggest shift in communication culture in history. So when people are engaging, we need to engage back. And even better than that, go find them and engage directly with them. You can like their thing. You can comment on it. You can use an app called Repost where you can use their content and put it out on your page. And the Repost app will automatically tag them and bring their caption over with it. So these are really great ways to keep... Um, Repost is, is Instagram. Yes, repost will repost for Instagram. It won't repost for Facebook. Okay. But on Facebook, if you happen to see something, you can click, your page can click share if you can connect it. If the, but that's if the user has the ability set to allow sharing on their end. If they don't, it'll just say like, like or comment or whatever. But I mean, really engage with these people. These are thousands of people that have posted about the Pima County Fair. That's a great opportunity. And almost every fair, whether it's a few hundred or tens of thousands, when I did, when I, I do OC Fair and I do LA, I've done LA County in the past, they'll get 25 or 50,000 during their month. Now, obviously you're not gonna reply to every single one. That's just not realistic. But get out there and start building with these guys. Or here's an idea. You can play thank you economy. The thank you economy is a, a term that's been coined out there by a guy named Gary Vaynerchuk. But the idea is you're giving without any expectation in return. So what if you have a mom who she posts this picture of her son beaming because he's finally big enough to ride the Ferris wheel. She says, hey, Pima County Fair, we had a fabulous time. My son was finally big enough to ride the Ferris wheel. Thanks for making some great memories for us. What if Pima County goes to that mom's profile, clicks on these three dots where there's a drop down menu, clicks send message and says, hey, we saw your post, really appreciate it and glad you had a great time. Why don't you bring your son by the office? We've got something for him. And then he gets a little Pima County Fair hat or a little attaboy or something to make that kid feel special. And mom's gonna be like, really? We got some, I mean like, waters cost $20, you know what I mean? We got a little something free, a little give me as a thank you. You start to play thank you economy and it's very valuable. So final thoughts here. This internet thing is real. We need to be taking it very, very seriously. There are multi-billion dollar companies that have made more money than any of us will ever make in our lifetimes that are going out of business because they're not taking this internet thing seriously. If places like Circuit City, Toys R Us, Sears, now again, when you have these major conglomerates going down, there's more to it. It's not like 
the internet just broke them. You get Wall Street investor issues and, and things that go on that start to break them. But if they can go down, what's your budget? None of us are safe. None of us could like, and this is a great opportunity on the internet for us to be able to grow. And these apps, these apps, like it's not just something that is just for those kids or those millennials, but they do work for kids. Anybody ever heard of um, Ryan's Toy Reviews? If you, yeah, <laughs> I was wondering, Jerry, if you've heard of it, right? So let me tell you about Ryan. Ryan has 13 plus. I think he's over 15 million now. I, by the way, I stole the slide from Nick Borelli, who spoke at FFEA with me down in Florida last August. So Nick, if you're watching on the video, thank you for letting me steal your slide. Yeah, he's got a YouTube channel and he does toy reviews, okay? He's got over 20 billion views now and he makes between 11 and 17 million dollars a year reviewing toys and playing with toys. What's your fares budget? I know my budget's not. My kid watches them. Your kid watch? Yes. Because, guys, the middleman has been cut out. You don't need a television station to get your message out. You can go direct to consumer now. Who, by the way, this kid never should have been allowed to happen. Who should have been doing this page? Toys R Us, Toys R Us should have been running that review page. Now, Toys R Us, again, there's a lot more going on with debt and Wall Street and investment bankers and kind of stuff like that. What's that? Oh, yeah. By the way, he's eight. <laughs> but your kids love him. Eleven to seventeen million dollars a year. So what I'm going to say, if you take nothing else away from this, attention is the game. So you go back to your fairs and your board's like, no, no, we need a billboard. Where is the attention? Where is it underpriced? Especially for those of us, calm down, Rosie. For those of us who if we're a fair and our budget is taxpayer funded, it is absolutely contingent that we spend the taxpayer's dollars in good faith and just dropping it on overpriced attention as a taxpayer myself in the state of New Mexico, I don't think is a great idea. You wanna be able to go out and say, we got the very best for our dollar, social media is it, please, please, please take it seriously. Thank you guys, let's do some Q&A. Any questions? Everybody's like, oh my God, I'm scared, but I'm really stoked at the same time. Okay, so I've got a new county manager. He loves the social. He doesn't want to be paid for his things like that. But how do you get around the other people for the legal part? They won't let me brand anybody on my Facebook. I only get the likes, you know? Okay, well, here's the, but it's, it's not so much the legal on that because on your page, Pages only get followed. Now, a page, you can go in. It's easier if you go in like through the, the, a laptop than it is on the Pages Manager app. The Pages app is really terribly created. It's, I, I'm disappointed that Facebook, that can create such a great app on the Pages Manager side that it's so disappointing. But you can go follow other pages, but you can't follow individuals. So that's not even a worry about it. Where, you, where it can run into if they won't allow you to do that is on Instagram, because on Instagram, Brands and individual, pro, they're all in, intermingled. You can follow and unfollow, you can connect with anybody. So if they won't let you follow people, are you allowed to engage with people and say, thanks for coming to the fair and yes. do that? I do, I do that, like the messengers, things like that. 
Right. But I want it well, if you want to, if you want it out there more, ads manager, create ads, put it out. Does your county fair let you put up a billboard? No, well, or I, we just do how do you advertise? Paper or okay, so they let you put your message out. They let you tell the story. Yes. This is a 2019 newspaper. And by the way, I've talked to fairs that are like, "Yo, we have to have newspapers because we have senior citizens. We have older grandparents." And they're not on this thing. Let me tell you what. The reason so many young people are going to kick and going to Snapchat and going to all those Instagram is because mom, dad, and grandma and grandpa showed up on Facebook and it's so not cool to the young ones anymore. And I knew, like, I watched the trends years ago. I watched it years ago with Facebook. As soon as I saw my sister had her kids, as soon as she started putting pictures of the kids out there, I was like, my mom is about to get a Facebook page because she wants to see pictures. That's what it is. And by the way, let's just talk about one of the largest converting demographics are 55 and up. People who are most likely to convert and come to your event are 55 and up on Facebook. You want to know why? Because they actually see your ads. Let me do a demonstration. I am 89 years old. This is how I go through Facebook. Let me show you how a 65-year-old goes through Facebook. They go through that news feed real slow. Some of you in this room, how many here, anybody here under 30? Yeah. So you guys may not remember, but the rest of us remember. There was a point where email came out where we read every word of every email and we had to stop and think about whether we actually knew someone related to some Nigerian prince. <laughs> Got it? <laughs> Older folks, I watch my dad on Facebook and I watch the speed that he goes through with. And let me tell you what, it got really, really real when two weeks ago my dad sends me a poop emoji on a text message. My dad is like 75 years old. So if you think seniors are not on social, you are dead wrong. Other questions? So what is the difference in the boost and the ad? I mean, I understand that, but so like, is this the ad? It's popping up in my newsfeed when I'm clicking through it. Does it say? Yeah, what's fun? I do that too with like Conjure Machine, and I'm like, it doesn't even target me. Here's one thing you could do that you might that might increase your chances of seeing it. Do you like your own page? Do does Ro does Rosie like the Yavapai County Fair page? Because then you might because if you're tar probably not because when I go to it, I become Yavapai Fair. It, that might be why because you're not technically connected to it quite as well. But I, like the same thing happens to me, and part of it is your organic reach. If if you just, let's say you have a thousand followers and you put an ad out, you might get that ad in front of 50 people. But when, you, when you're paying to create the ad, you can pick whoever it is. You can pick however many you want. You can be like, I'm, I'm willing to spend $500 and it'll go in front of 2,000 people. Or it can, it, so it's however many dollars you want to spend and create. Yeah, you know what I mean? I can't like my page. Because I am. Do you have a page or do you have a profile? Let me see. Let me see it. No, it's a page. It is a page? No, have your, your you personally. Yeah, that's a, 
Set up your own secret account. For your oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're listed, you're listed as an administrator on yeah, the page. That's why. That's why. Okay. So. I have that problem, too. It's hard to see my pages. Other people see it. Yeah. yeah. There's a, they had, well, they took, um, they had a security breach a couple months back where they found, there's a place on your page, <coughs> excuse me, where you can tell it view as the public or view as this person. Yeah. But there was some hacker found a backdoor on the code and exploited it. <coughs> so Facebook took that offline. I don't know if they brought it back yet to fix it, but that's one way you can see what other people are saying. Other questions? Uh, that first level of choice on the Facebook ad targeting. Yeah. Which of those categories would you suggest working in? Well, in these categories? Yeah. It, it, that all depends on your goal. So like if you want a video, for me, I do video views a lot. Because obviously the people I want to see, or I want to see my content, are fair managers. So I like to get more video views. So it just depends. If I'm a fair and I want to sell tickets, I'm going over to conversion because I want to convert tickets. Yes, sir, Steven. So when you're posting these videos as yourself, how do you make it so the fair sells like versus regular public? Versus Here's tricky. When you go into the targeting, I and I have I have a large group of them because usually one fair doesn't have enough employees for Facebook to even register it. So I've got one segmentation built in with Conjurer. That's got you can go in and tell it people who are employees of or have worked at OC Fair, State Fair of Texas, Kansas State Fair, and I have this huge list, so it's most likely to go out and get seen by them. And I do unpublished posts, because I've had people go, Robert, you talk all about these ads, but I never see anything on your page. Yeah, I know, because I don't need Joe Blow, fair guest in you know Florida, necessarily, I don't want to pay money for him to see it. I want it to more likely get in front of other people. And it started to work because I've started going to more conventions and people are going, I saw your commercial. And because I A-B test in different markets, the commercial changes just slightly. So I can like, when they, I say, oh, where are you from? Florida. And I'm like, I know which commercial you saw. Anything else? Other questions? Tyson's taking a photo. Good man. All right, thank you guys. If you have more questions, I'm always happy to answer. And you can always find me on uh, my stuff's up here. Let me get it back to the beginning. There you go, all my stuff. Hit me up. Hey, podcast family. I greatly appreciate you taking the time to listen to this podcast. And I would be thrilled if you would go ahead and give it a rating. Also, if you found value in this podcast, please share it with your friends. The more you share it, the more the podcast grows. See ya.